Welcome to the Emotional Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Rochelle. I'm a human design and health coach, and this little piece of the field is here to support you in your journey to understanding and regulating your emotions, to help you remember who you are, to ground into your knowing, and to support you in all things spiritual, emotional, and health. I bring some beautiful souls to share their story with you, and my goal is to have conversations that are supportive of wherever you find yourself in your journey. This podcast really started as a space to use my voice, and over the years, it's become so much more. Thank you so much for being here and for all of your support. I love you all. Now enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode, another week on the podcast. Today, as I'm recording this, it is the full moon and lunar eclipse in Taurus. The lunar eclipse was this morning, but we are in the energy of the full moon. And I had multiple people come up to me today asking what's going on. They couldn't sleep last night all of the things. So that is what is happening right now. It is November 8th. Um, So when this comes out, it's going to be Thursday, the 10th. And we're still going to feel, you know, as with so many astrological um, transits, we still kind of like feel into that energy before and after the actual physical event. And so we'll probably still be feeling a little bit of that um, Thursday when this episode comes out. I have been, I don't know if it's because I've been preparing or um, a combination of all the things that I've been doing, all the work, the tools that I've really, really been pulling out and allowing myself to witness my emotions. I talked a lot about that last week on the podcast, just like the ego, um, human emotions that I've been feeling and just really leaning into that. You know, having these practices such as moving your body, which is something we really, really dive into on this episode. I talked to Grace Bella Harmon on this episode, and she is a board certified danced movement dance movement therapist, embodied grief guide, and pussy maven. Grace holds sacred space for people to ut- utilize their bodies to move through, process, and ultimately be transformed by their grief. Her facilitation is driven by the belief that your body is the most primary, vital, and intelligent resource for navigating the waters of grief. Most recently, she has narrowed her work to focus on guiding people with pussies to connect to their pussies as a source of self-regulation, pleasure, and alchemizing of their grief so they can fully stand in their power and authentic truth. Grace also guides other space holders in deepening their capacity to hold the grief for another. And all of her information is going to be down in the show notes. This was such a powerful, such an interesting conversation. I was connected to Grace through a mutual connection. And yeah, I was just really interested and excited to hear how she helps people move through grief. Because, you know, we talk a lot about emotions being energy in motion. And grief is one of the, you know, core emotions, one of the primary emotions. Uh, And so being able to move through that because it can be, um, you know, I've tasted grief as I think so many have, but I have not been swallowed by grief like some have experienced. And I think it is a beautiful thing, you know, that Grace, she speaks to her personal experience with grief in this episode and to be able to hold others, hold the space for others as they go through the process of grief and you know, I think it is something that we're not necessarily allowed to sit with in our in our modern world, right? It's kind of, you know, feel it, but there's got to be like a, a set time. And, you know, grief is not linear, like anything, any sort of healing, right? It is not linear. It is all over the place. And, you know, we really just have to take that time to move through that. And I think one of really powerful, you know, and Grace talks about in this episode, I won't give too much way now, but 
she was a dancer when she was moving through her grief. And, you know, emotions, again, are energy in motion. And so being able to move your body and move into that grief, there have been many times where I've done intentional movement practices, like the class I've talked about that on here, and even yoga. I've cried many yoga classes. And it's really just like moving your body in such a way that allows those things, those those that trapped energy to kind of like move through. And I think that is the point specifically of yoga, but, you know, all sorts of movement practices, if we can really lean into that and be aware of that, it really allows you to sit with it, feel it, and process it in a beautiful way. And yeah, so Grace gets into that in this episode. Um, again, it is so interesting, so fascinating, and all the information to work with Grace is in the show notes. She just has such a beautiful feminine energy, and it's just the type of energy I just, oof, when I get into it, I just, I feel it and I love it. I... um I'm learning to lean more into that energy when it comes to myself and just to allow myself to be because I think, you know, we all have conditioning and shadows and inner child healing to do. And a lot of mine was like, I felt like I could not be feminine. And so I'm really learning to embody that feminine side of myself. So that is a whole process in its own. And maybe I'll do a whole episode specifically on that, talking to that. But this week has really, really been beautiful. I, like I said, I think it's, you know, Maybe because I have really been leaning into this energy, preparing for this energy, I've really been wanting change and manifesting things and integrating things and releasing things and moving through things. It's been like a huge focus for myself. And I have not had a drink in over a month. Um, I went a week. <laughs> I cut out coffee for a week. I went decaf for like a week. And then on Friday night, I was um, I was picking up my kids and someone offered me a drink. And I was like, no, but I'll have a coffee if you want to make me a coffee. And so they made me a coffee. And having the caffeine and now I'm back at square one. So <laughs> I'm having caffeine again. But yeah, I think just like cleaning up my system and getting more in touch with my system has really, really been helpful in allowing me to lean into and move through everything that's been coming up. I This week has just been very, very cool. I have my Chiron in the 11th house in Gemini. And so I always have felt this, the sense of like being the outcast or having difficulty in connecting with others. And so I have friends, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not a two, four. We'll say that I'm not a two, four and that's okay. Right. Like I'm a six, three as well. And so that is sort of like part of, of, of my design. Um, but it's, it's something that I used to very much like feel jealousy or envy over people who had a lot of friends. And now I can honestly admire it. And, but it just feels good. I have been in Texas for gosh, eight, almost nine years, I think. And, you know, situations happened, events happened that, you know, I had friends and I lost friends and, you know, life, but I've really, really struggled to find a community here. And I feel like I'm finally like coming into that a little bit. And so it feels really good. It feels really empowering to find people who are, and I've been, I've been asking for that, just, you know, show, asking for people to come into my life that are on the same path, that are interested in the same things. And especially now on this sober journey, um, just finding people who are again on that same path. And so I found myself um, just really enjoying this week and being able to go out and do things without alcohol. And yeah, it's just been, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a week. It's been a beautiful, beautiful week. I had my first um, human design attached session. So the human design attachment theory session, again, I'm reworking the way I'm doing these sessions. So I'm pulling a couple people through just to like kind of work out the kinks and then it is going to be fully launched for um, everybody. If you are interested, if you want to get on like that wait list, send me an email, 
uh, the email, bleh, send me an email. My email is in the show notes. Um, and then you'll get an email when that is like fully, fully launched. But yeah, I had my ver and I'm just ugh, so lit up like after that session. And it's, it's funny. I have an open G center. I have feeling cognition. And, you know, as I think that is one of the beautiful things about being a coach is really being able to, you know, being highly sensitive and kind of like feeling into that energy of others. All right. Well, interruption, but kind of lost my train of thought. So I am actually just, I'm going to kind of wrap it up here because this episode is really good. Tonight is a full moon. I really want to get on my mat and do some meditation, some gentle yoga, just kind of like feel into my body, journal a little bit, um, use some of these tools to kind of like work out some of these beliefs and rewire and, and all of the beautiful woo new moon stuff that I love to do. So enjoy this episode. You can find Grace on Instagram at move your grief. Her her website and Instagram handle are going to be down below. So you can click on those and follow her. Follow me on Instagram at Rochelle.ChrisJan. And that is R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E dot C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-E. And TikTok is the same. It's RochelleChrisJan.com on the website and YouTube at it's YouTube and the, the handle. Since there's not handles on YouTube, it's at Emotional Mastery Podcast. All of the ways you can follow, all the ways you can subscribe. If you're on Apple, iTunes, um, please, please leave a review. It is so helpful. I've had a lot of people recently ask how they can support the podcast, and that is just a really great way to support, um, you know, so that that I can be heard by more people, seen by more people on that platform. So I appreciate you so much. Again, if you want to reach out about a human design attached session, reach out to me. Those are coming out soon, 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 like within the month. Um, and get on the email list. I send out Mastery Mondays every single Monday. It's going to be a human design astrology update for the week, sort of like a forecast. And then usually something that's on my heart, journal prompts, um, podcast updates, all the good stuff. So I will see you there. And thank you so much for listening. I am briefly interrupting this episode to talk to you about Dame. So if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know I am all about self-love, self-trust, getting to know yourself. And a huge part of that is not just getting to know your mind, but it's also getting to know your body, right? Dame products have really been, not only do they feel amazing, but just a company that I'm so behind. Dame is literally disrupting the sex industry and it is created by females for females created by vulvas for vulvas, right? And so it's all about pleasure, right? Understanding our bodies and how it works and their products are just incredible. They have been so kind to give all of you a 10% discount, the code EMOTIONAL10, E-M-O-T-I-O-N-A-L 10. And the link is also below in the show notes. You can click that link, get yourself 10% off on the air. The ARC has been my best friend for years. Um, it is good for all sorts of stimulation. You can use it with a partner. Um, just really great for a little date night out with yourself. But don't miss out on this. Get the emotional 10 discount today. I am so excited to have partnered with Seed Probiotics. We know this podcast is all about emotions and the state of our gut greatly influences the state of our emotions, our ability to self-regulate. And so it is so important to take care of our gut. It's like having a little mini universe inside of our body, right? When we have good bacteria, it's running efficiently. And when we have bad bacteria, things can get a little misaligned. So seed is incredible. I started taking them around November and within 48 hours, I noticed the difference. 
Seed has a double capsule. It's a pre and probiotic. So the prebiotic digests in your stomach and the probiotic actually goes to where it's supposed to go to be the most effective, which is your colon. The science behind this is incredible. You can geek out all about it. I honestly love, love, love this product. Like I said, I've been taking it for months. I noticed such a huge difference and I am so excited to be able to bring this to you. If you use the code EMOTIONAL, E-M-O-T-I-O-N-A-L, at checkout, you will get 15% off your first month of the Daily Symbiotic. That is code EMOTIONAL at checkout. Welcome to the Emotional Mastery Podcast. Today, I have Grace Bella Harmon, who is Embodied Grief Guide and Pussy Alchemist. And I am going to hand that over to you um, just to like really dig into what that means, what you do, and kind of your story. Because, you know, I've done a lot of work on myself through the years, just getting in touch with my body. And there is still a, a weight to the word pussy, right? That just kind of like even reading it or saying it, there is some part of me that's like, ooh, that's interesting, that reaction to it. So I would mm-hmm. love to really just like dig into that. And yeah, what brought you there and anything pivotal along, you know, your story, your journey that kind of got you here? Mm. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Rochelle. Um, yeah, so where to start? I think the the way that I always describe my work is that I help people um, connect to their bodies to process grief. Um, and the reason for that is that grief at, at its core is an embodied experience, right? It's not an intellectual process. Um, And it's not really something that you can just think your way through. You actually have to feel it and let yourself literally move through it, right? In order for it to fully process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I came to this work via my own grief, as, you know, most of us do, who are quote unquote wounded healers. Um, And yeah, my mom died when I was um, 26, I guess. and I was just beginning a grad um, grad school. I was beginning a master's program in dance movement therapy and counseling. And I say that because by nature of being in that space and being in this very intensive program where I really had to learn to be present in my body um, and to learn how to use my body to do my job, um, I couldn't shut off. I couldn't, I couldn't close down and I couldn't really separate my grief from my life because I had to stay present to my body. Right. Um, and as a result of that, I kind of created a whole process for myself of ritualizing my grief and connecting to my body and letting my body really guide my process, um, which ultimately landed me doing a master's thesis about it. And then, you know, later down the line, guiding people through their own journeys. Um, And then the pussy part is very new. It's like about a month old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, at least like in title, I've been sort of like uh, coming into a very deep relationship with my pussy and my womb space this whole year, I would say. Um, And so now my work is is focused not just on embodying grief and moving through grief, but also on leaning into pleasure and leaning into pussy as a as a mode of alchemizing grief 
um, and self-regulating from being overwhelmed by grief. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think of pussy as, you know, like the root chakra, if you know the chakra system, right? That's like the bottom. It's about your stability, your sense of safety, right? All of these things that um, if you've ever lost someone or ever experienced an intense grief, you know that the feeling of like the ground being pulled out from under you is very visceral. And so often people try to um, manage their grief or get through grief by doing a lot of things and by like, you know, pushing themselves to do more work or to like achieve something or to, or even just like not even consciously, but managing it through food or drinking or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And so any way that we can really get to the root and unwind the experience of grief from the root, that's what really allows it to move through. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. And I, I lost my grandmother. So my mom lost her mom about maybe eight years ago. And I just remember, I remember the sadness that I felt and the grief that I felt, but it almost felt, um, I almost felt like I couldn't grieve it in a way because I was seeing my mom in this heavy, deep sadness and grief that she was taking pills just to like get through her day, mm-hmm. you know? So I felt like what I was feeling, I had to be there for her and not to minimize my experience or hers or anything, you know, but you know, when you say that it was just kind of like from that perception, it's like everything stopped, mm-hmm. right? Everything. There was just getting through the day to day. Um, and so, you know, in your story and you were kind of doing this dance movement thing, right? How, I mean that I would imagine, like you said, that it took you out of the present, the, the grief, right? But then I would imagine that there was an element of kind of having to move your body in some way that mm-hmm. kind of in some way brought you back to it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and there were so many days where I would just be like sobbing in class, you know, like I'm not someone that can really like, I mean, a lot of my classmates were like, wow, you're so present with your grief. Mm-hmm. You're so good at this. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't really like just the way who I am, my makeup, like I don't really con- disconnect. It. Like I don't see me and my emotions as disconnected. Yeah. Um, it's not easy for me to separate those those things. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just the the fact of not just like, yeah, learning how to use my body and moving and um, and learning how to do therapy with people and like being and having myself reflected in my classmates and having to reflect other people's things, like, you know, all the things that, that were involved in my training. Um, and also having really beautiful, warm professors who like named what was happening for me and could really hold me and see me in that, in that pain um, was, I mean, so hard there's not really any words for it and it also like that mixed with you know the the outside support that I was getting but really you know the the time that I spent ritualizing and taking time to move my grief and to let my body guide the process yeah it kind of it gave me a way of moving through life while grieving and let and therefore letting the grief move through me Mm -hmm. 
Had you always like before that, because you were into movement and dance and things like this, were you using that as a way to process emotion and like process your experiences? Or was it this specific experience of grief that really opened your eyes to to how powerful that was for you? Mm. I would say that I, I wasn't processing my emotions um, on a conscious level before that. I mean, of course, like I had, you know, before she died, I'd already like started to see the power of dance therapy. I'd had an internship um, in an undergrad when I was so not qualified, um, <laughs> but um, at a residential uh, treatment center for women with eating disorders. So I'd seen the power and like felt the power in my body of moving through these experiences. Um, but, you know, you kind of have to have to to live it to really know it in some on some level it's um and by that point I hadn't really had any clinical experience so I really didn't have any client basis to to go off of um so yeah I would say that that the grief like sort of brought the knowing into a conscious place Mm -hmm. um and really became like um a lens, you know, I think we all have a lens that we see the world through and a lens that we understand ourselves through. And for me, grief is, is a, is a really like strong lens that I walk through the world with. And I'm always attuning to that. I see really deeply that I feel really deeply in myself and others. Um, And, you know, on a societal and cultural level, like how many ways the grief shapes us and, how many ways that at least, you know, the dominant American culture doesn't know how to be with the the true cyclical nature of grief, you know? So I can, I can go really macro and really micro. Like I, I'm always sort of moving between those two things in my work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's as you were speaking, that's what I was thinking was how our culture doesn't really allow us to grieve. I feel like we're not really allowed to feel our emotions Mm-hmm. And I watched a coworker. She had a miscarriage. Um, mm. This was months ago, but the small amount of time that she was allowed to actually grieve that and then be expected to come back to work and be a fully present functioning, like human woman who just lost a child kind of blew my mind. And yeah. it was like, it was just expected that she was just supposed to come back and be okay. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it was really, it was really painful to watch. And, and, but that's just that it feels like that is so much our society and our culture. And, you know, when I experienced my mom and watching her, it was like, it took her years to get over that raw, like Mm -hmm. pain of her loss. But even through that, I feel like there were so many points where it was just like, I have to be better. I have to not feel this, you know? And I think that prolongs it too, when you're not allowing yourself to fully feel it, you know? And so I think that's beautiful that you had this movement. And when I think about grief, specifically of, you know, death, grief and death, you know, I have these images and I know on your website, you had talked about like indigenous cultures. And I just have this image of just people just like shaking and dancing and crying. Right. And that's, I think just our primal instinct of like how we move through these things. But as a, yeah, as our American Western culture, it's not, it's not part of it anymore. And I think there's so much power to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so many of the, the things that we see um, it, you know, manifested in people like depression and anxiety and 
substance abuse issues and, you know, eating disorders, like so many things, the root of that is grief that just didn't get a chance to move through, right? Mm -hmm. That didn't really get a chance to fully be felt and expressed, right? There, You really, like I often compare grief to like a crying child. And what does a child or a baby do if you don't pay attention to it, right? It mm-hmm. just screams and it just keeps crying. And eventually maybe it'll learn to self-soothe, but there won't be any sense of self-regulation in that, in that system, right? Mm-hmm. Grief is the same. It really needs our continual attention and love and support and like space around it to, to express. Um, and yeah, I mean, capitalism doesn't care about our grief, you know, capitalism doesn't care about our broken hearts. Um, cares about medicating us. Yeah, totally. To numb it, but yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I mean, I could go on a whole thing about like how grief is pathologized. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many ways that it, that it, the natural course of it, the natural, the natural way that it moves is it is like this huge explosion. And then over time, the body, when it gets the chance, the body actually really knows how to hold grief. It actually really knows how to grieve. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are so intelligent and they've been doing this forever, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of our ancestors knew how to grieve in this way. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think so much of what I see in the people I work with is not really like a, a learning of something new. It's really like a deep remembering mm. of the knowing that their bodies had all along. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask where you, f- I mean, I, I have my ideas and my speculations just from learning, you know, holistic health and, and systems like human design and chakras and things like that. But where is, do you find that like massive disconnect from our head to our bodies, you know, because I think there's just so many people that will never fully experience that and then get sick or, you know, arthritis or all these physical ailments that again, we're just given medication for and not actually looking at the root of it. So, Mm -hmm. and I, and I do believe there is like a massive shift in consciousness now. And I think there's a a new wave of things happening, but it's, it's still on a small level in, in, you know, in the big picture, but where do you see that disconnect and how do we get people, you know, you know, obviously we have, you know, workers like you healers that can be out there and and guide people, but where does it really begin? I mean, where it really begins is the family, right? Like everything. So, you know, I always try try to remind folks that we, we learn how to grieve from the people who raised us. We don't Mm -hmm. just learn about death or not right? Like maybe death was totally ignored, which is very common in this culture. Um, But we learn how to grieve from what we saw and what we took into our bodies, right? Most of our learning is nonverbal. And so really where it begins is in the home. And, And I, you know, always like to remind parents that like, your children don't need to see you be perfect, right? They actually need to see you express all of your emotions and still be able to, you know, take care of them. That's Mm -hmm. all they need. Right. Um, So that's where it begins, you know, Mm -hmm. of 
course, if you're an adult, you're probably like, well, okay, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> and so this is kind of where I like to remind us that grief really is inner child work. And making space for grief, making space to let grief move you, um, will always bring up feelings of fear, rejection, um, emptiness, loneliness, like all things that so many of us experience as children, right? Particularly if you've lost a parent or a caregiver or a very close person that really was like, you know, one of the roots to your tree, there is this necessary and very painful searching for that, that inner parent, right? That inner witness to, to who we are. Um, and I also think it really has to do with um, this kind of myth that we hear so much in grief, whether it's explicitly said or not, which is that if I let myself feel that I won't be able to get back up, right? And you said it yourself with the medication and so many other things, right? Our culture is so good at distracting us from our feelings, right? And so good at rushing through. And it really is about finding spaces and people and community that can hold us in that, even if it's just one other person. Um, you know, I call it like finding your grief gang. People who really understand that grief is not pretty and it's not something that anyone else needs to fix or have perfect words for. It's really just an experience that needs to be held, witnessed. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a skill that we can all develop. You know, it's not like I certainly wasn't born with this skill. I don't think um, anybody is. It's just something that you have to learn over time. You know, I think of you know people that I saw that grieved you know earlier in my life before my mom died and things I said or things I didn't say and I'm like oh god that's rough you know but yeah. I just didn't know mm -hmm. and if we had elders if we all I would all say had elders that really knew how to do that um then we wouldn't have to to work so hard to do it for ourselves. But the reality is so many of us don't, and we sort of have to, you know, learn to come together and be elders and witnesses and teachers for each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like what you said too about grief and fear and death, right? Because it's like we mm -hmm. avoid the grief because it signifies maybe death, but yet we're so terrified of death that we avoid it so much. Right. And it's like, yes. when somebody is grieving, it's like, we stay away from with like a 10 foot pole or like, that's how we like, we, we just feel so uncomfortable being within that energy yet. It's the thing that we fear most, right? So everything else as a, as a culture, we're just kind of like consuming all these things to like be younger and be prettier and be thinner and all these things, because we don't want to we just don't want to die. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's coming to this point of just whether it's acceptance or, um, I don't know, just, I, I found in my journey, just this deep spiritual 
there's, of course, there's still an element of fear of death. I'm a single mom. So for me, I think so much of that comes from like, oh my gosh, if something happens to me, what happens to my kids, you know? But at the same time, I just have this like deep faith that, you know, everything is as it's meant to be. Like every experience they're meant to experience, whether that's me being around or not, or whatever is, is what it is meant. It's going to happen as it's going to happen. And there's nothing like anybody can do to control it. But I mean, that's taken like years of, like you said, inner child work and, you know, grieving relationships and just like, I used to never know how to be present with somebody who was going through something difficult because Mm -hmm. I felt it so intensely and that was uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be pretty, right? It is, it is hard. It is painful. It is ugly. It is all these things. And I think just like sitting with it and allowing yourself to experience that through them is more powerful. I think than anything you can even say to them, you know, cause I remember thinking that like, yeah, I had a friend that miscarried and I was just like, gosh, what do I say to her? You know, and I just finally, I just listened, you know, and it's like, what do you need? Like, how can I best help you right now? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's the, that's the most you can do. And like you said, with, with your kids and I think about human design a lot, because the whole premise of like human design, the, it, it, they talk so much about this system is not for us. It's for our children. Right. Mm. And us learning it allows us to raise our children in the way that they're meant to be raised so that they can grow up as conscious, aware adults. Mm. And then it, it passes on. Right. Mm -hmm. And like you said, our children not having like, or like our generation more so not having that model of elders that teach us how to move through these processes. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was really beautiful. And with my kids, they see so many emotions from me. And I've, before my mom has been like, you can't cry in front of them. And I'm like, why? I mean, it's just, Mm you know, life isn't always easy. I mean, it's painful, but then, you know, they see me cry. And then I always remind them like, why are you crying? And I'm like, cause I'm sad and that's okay. Yes. You know, yes. I'll be okay. And just, I'm upset. And I used to like lock my door and lock myself in the closet to like cry. And they'd come out, wipe my face off. And now I'm just like, you know, it's, it's like perfectly normal human emotion. And totally. Yeah. And, but, and by you doing that, they're learning that it's okay for me too. Mm-hmm. Right. That if I cry or if I freak out, no one's nothing's something bad is going to happen. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and children feel that regardless. Right. Like even if you were going in the closet, they feel mm-hmm. that. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's not like covering up your tears. Yeah. Covers anything <laughs> up for them. <laughs> exactly. They feel it for sure. More so than any adults that's like are disconnected from it. But totally. I do think too, like even in this, as we're talking like dance and grief and experiences and moving through things, it is this deep disconnect. I think comes down to the, the feminine, right? The divine feminine. Mm-hmm. I think it's our culture, the patriarchy and all these things is just trying to suppress that. So I was listening to a podcast today with John Wineland and that, that's what he was talking about was just even, you know, be it a male or a female right? It's that feminine inside of all of us that is, Mm -hmm. that is needs to be repaired because it's exactly Mm -hmm. these, it's moving through these experiences that we're not allowing ourselves because we're just not allowing that feminine. Mm -hmm. And yeah. 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 And like, you know, I'd like to just name that like feminine and masculine can feel uh, like it's not related to gender, but mm-hmm. just because of our culture, I think it's so hard to not like put a gender on it. Um, so I just want to be clear to any listeners that we're not talking yeah. about yeah. that. When I think it, yeah, it's more that energy, right? That receptive, yeah. that experiential energy, yes. as opposed to like a woman, you know, totally. But yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, that is what it is, right? Like there's I just the, the people that I guide and the ability that they, develop to really soften Mm. 
right? And mm-hmm. slow down mm-hmm. and be with, right? Like these are things that, yes, so many of us have been disconnected from and, and we can all come into relationship with these ways of being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I love it. Even like, as I'm speaking to you, I can feel the softness and the intentionality of your words and like how it comes across. And I always, when I'm speaking to, to somebody who has such beautiful feminine energy like that, you know, in that sense, I, sometimes I listen to myself cause I'm just like, right. Like I have so much of that, like masculine. And I, that's just, I think so many of us have been raised in that way, but it's just a beautiful, it's beautiful to be in the experience and in that energy. Cause then I think it reminds me also, and I'm sure the listeners that are listening to, right. It's, it's felt. And so for you to guide people through that, it's just a beautiful, you are embodying, right. The things that they are going to integrate and learn and, and will help them heal. So like when people come to you, where do you find, like what stage of their grieving are they typically in? Like, mm-hmm. is there anything specific you've noticed or, you know, cause I would imagine again, going back to like our society and culture, it's, it's, I don't think a lot of people necessarily ask or reach out in the beginning stages. I would imagine, right. Just because it's very raw and yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, this is another thing that's transitioning. So Mm. um, I used to have sort of two programs, one that was for fresh grief, meaning like a year Mm. or less, and one that was for sort of older grief that had been stuck and not fully processed. Um, And sort of the people that I'm calling in now, I'm opening a brand new container in September and I'm guiding a new retreat in a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, like people, basically I'm calling in people with pussies who have a relationship with their grief and a relationship with their bodies and a relationship with their pussies and their sense of pleasure um, and might feel fine on a lot of days, but want to feel better. Like don't mm. actually want to feel fine. They actually want to feel fucking fantastic. Mm. They actually want to feel so connected to their power and so connected to their authentic truth and so connected to what they're meant to do and who they're meant to be in the world. And they really don't want their grief to hold them back or hold them, um, not even hold them back, like stifle that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's going to be people that have been, you know, carrying their grief for some time. Right. I, mm-hmm. If somebody had told me, you know, right after my mom died that I should lead into pleasure and, like, you know, play with my pussy, I would be like, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I would have punched him in the face, right? <laughs> this is for people that are like at a very particular um yeah, point in their in their journey. And that's not like a particular number of months or years. It's just mm. depending on the person. Um, because again, grief is cyclical, right? It's not a linear like days, months, years process. Mm-hmm. It really is exists in that liminal realm. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that's, that's who I'm calling in now. Yeah. Yeah. And how does that, how does that happen? Like, are you integrating the pussy element through dance? Are you doing like homework or like, you know what I mean? For like specifically in that moment for them to like mm-hmm. really experience and in- integrate that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I always start my spaces with um, a grounding and a meditation. Right. And I, and this is, sort of vital to the the opening of the circle 
because it allows us to meet our grief and where and where and how it's living in our bodies, right? Mm-hmm. And the more that we do this, the more that we understand how much it moves and changes, right? One day your grief might be in your heart, might one day it might be in your hip, one day it might be in your throat, you know, like really getting a sense of how that movement is. Um, and then I guide through uh, generally a you know a movement practice to help people connect to that grief specifically. So that generally starts with intuitively moving towards whatever sensation they're feeling. So the, the longer that I do this work, when I first started, I, um, I guided much more towards like the movement that people might do, never like in a directive way, but just as options. And the more I do it, the more that I'm guiding towards how I encourage people to be with what is happening right meaning encouraging people to listen to their sensations encouraging people to move towards that encouraging people to open up to that um and that movement specifically will look different for everybody right for for the same or a very similar sensation one person might end up you know curled on a ball one person might end up standing and like waving their arms you know um and then we come back to pussy once the once the grief has moved and is you know really being felt we start to come back down to pussy as the the place of self regulation and the place to sort of unwind the spiral from the root mm-hmm. yeah so i see and i feel and i witness grief as a spiral as something that you know, continues to move over and over and over again. And, um, you know, doesn't really have a clear beginning, middle or end, but that, again, if it doesn't get that full expression, that full opening, it, it gets stuck. Yeah, it, it it's like the feeling of, you know, having like a, a lump in your throat that, that wants to come out. Mm-hmm. Um and so again, the pussy is like the root, right? So it starts, it might start with connecting, just moving from that place, right? So what do you do with your body when you're just moving from that place? And then from there, it, it might move into physical touch, you know, very gently and slowly, really asking the pussy what it wants, what she wants, what it's ready for. Am I allowed to touch you, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that real sense of respect and, and consent. Um, and, you know, in a full practice that might end up with a full body orgasm and then coming back down and re-entering this, this realm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I always end every process with writing and drawing um, and verbal processing. So mm-hmm. it's very much like a whole loop that, that, that I would guide people through. Yeah. That's beautiful. I have found so much like power in, you know, I have been, uh, you know, dancing before and have just felt connected to that. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, being more intentional with just like masturbating instead of just like, you know, stressful day, like going out at a river just to have like the release to actually, like you, like you just said, like before I put anything, just like asking internal, like permission, you know, Mm -hmm. and just like giving it that power and even if that's the only moment I have any sort of like intentionality, let's say, or, in, or, you know, but it's, I feel like it still kind of elevates the experience because I'm not just like, show, you know, like 
putting something in there and then just like mindlessly having this experience, it becomes this very intentional, powerful, embodied, like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. I, I can't explain the... I don't know, having that permission from my own body to go there just feels mm-hmm. so much better. Yeah. Even though, you know, it is my body regardless, but yeah, I think that's, that's so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I think it does so many things, right? It re- I think one of the things is it very much repatterns. So many of us have had experiences of our consent being violated, right? In so many ways. Um, of our pussies being violated, mm-hmm. whether or not that's like a full on rape. Um, you know, it's, we don't, <laughs> one of the other things we're not good at in this culture is talking about consent and mm-hmm. um, an explicit, you know, consensual sex. So I think it really, it's a, it's a moment of repatterning and, and again, coming back to that inner authority, right. That inner knowing that inner yes, or that inner no. Mm-hmm. Um and once, yeah, once you start to really um, massage that relationship and and really listen and really let there be that connection with pussy, um, then it becomes so much easier not just to carry grief, but also to just live as a full, authentic, embodied person mm-hmm. um, without, you know, apologizing and without needing to be small and constricted anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think it gives you that respect back for your body, right? Because yes. it is very, our bodies, like you said, there is no consent. We are just women and we have boobs and butts and legs and, and a pussy and all these things that are just like so sexualized. Mm-hmm. And I remember I breastfed my kids and I never felt so sexualized as I did when I was breast because people would get mad that you were breastfeeding in public. Right. And it, it, like, it didn't hit me until that point where I was like, wow, our bodies are just not even ours. Right. That people are getting angry that I'm doing the most natural thing I could be doing for my child. Yes. And I'm being asked to leave places. Right. So I just feel like it just really empowers you to like get more control of your body and respect your body. And then even in just like, you know, trickling out to let's just say like relationships, right. Like Mm -hmm. I am, Mm -hmm an empowered woman and you will treat me as such, or this is not going to happen. Totally. Um, But yeah, I think it's just, it's a beautiful practice to have. Do you Mm -hmm. find, do you ever, do you work with people who like, do you have any like stipulations on, I don't know if that's the correct word, but just like the type of grief they're moving through. I know that there are, you know, people who, who experience like maybe ancestral grief, um, Mm -hmm. just things that are heavy beyond what they can understand in this life, but their body is telling them there's something going on. Maybe they just don't remember it or they're learning. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the thing that, you know, I always want to be clear about is like, whatever someone feels like they're grieving, they are right. Mm -hmm. You don't need to like question that. What I do have some um, stipulations or some boundaries around is the amount of processing of trauma that they've done. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I don't work with anyone who's in crisis um, or like has fresh trauma that's totally unprocessed because um, yeah, the nervous system probably won't be able to handle all, all of like the, the full body movement that we go into without shutting down or um mm-hmm. particularly as you know right now I'm transitioning to only sort of group and circle work from individual um so I really I'm 
I'm really, um, yeah, inviting people in who have done some, some grief processing, have processed, you know, a good amount of their trauma. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, a protective thing for all of us, right? I don't want anyone to, to walk away feeling, um, yeah, like their nervous system's hijacked mm-hmm. um, or, or like they're, yeah, they've just experienced something that they can't process. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, if you, if you also see like your own therapist along with any work we do, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I would say that's like the main, the main thing I think mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And has anyone through this movement, like maybe something has come up that they weren't consciously aware of or, or didn't like, like, cause I believe our bodies hold so many stories. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think when you do get it moving, like, I remember even just breath work, my very first like breath work session, I just remember like sobbing and I didn't even know mm-hmm. why. Right. It was just like, there was so much that was coming up that like, I just couldn't contain it. And it was just mm-hmm. such an intense experience. And I was here at home by myself and it was an experience, right. Mm-hmm. You know, I did have support that I could go outside and, and, and talk to about it, which I definitely think if you are going through any sort of healing, whether it's just like inner child, because we don't always know what's going to come up. Totally. Um, I think that's, that's so important, but yeah, I guess to my question is, has, have you been in a group where, you know, just maybe something like that has come up and, and yeah, I mean, I guess, how do, how do you guide people to handle that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, things, things come up, right. Mm-hmm. Our bodies hold so much, not just of of our life, but also of our ancestors. And if you believe in past lives, right. Um, so it's, it's different in a group or individual, right. The people that I'm thinking of right now, we're, we're in individual spaces. And so I could really track their bodies and really track what was happening and, you know, invite them to process it. Um, and in a group, you know, because like, if we're, doing the, the grief movement and the pussy work, they're probably going to be off ca- camera, right? I do work virtually. Um, so it really does come back to building that relationship with each person and creating space to like a good amount of space to really process anything that happened. And if there's something that someone brings up that is like, oh my God, this, you know, whatever it is, it could be a traumatic memory. It could be like an image that they had, it could be something their body did that reminded them of something, right? There's so many things. Um, yeah, for me, it's it's about one, like creating space for them to share it. Um, and two, giving them that some embodied tools and some embodied practice to support them outside of the group, right? Um, and that looks different for everybody, but I do like to help people find a place in their body that feels supportive mm-hmm. and that feels stabilizing and that feels grounding. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's your belly, maybe it's your leg, maybe it's somewhere else. When you feel like this, when you feel overwhelmed, when you, when you have this image, whatever it is, right. Can you come back to this and can we do it together right now? And can we practice this so that your body remembers, right. This is a form of resourcing. Let's, Known as resourcing and somatic psychotherapy. Um, and we all have this ability to resource, right, from, from the internal place. But it's about, again, yeah, developing that conscious awareness of, oh shit, this happened. 
And if, if we don't do that resourcing, then because our bodies are so intelligent and are always wanting to protect us from pain, um, they'll just tense up, right? So both physically and they might, you know, avoid full expression because of, of fear of triggering that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in this particular container, I'm also offering, you know, individual work too. So that so people really need to process more, they can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you like in your process of combining like grief with pleasure, have you found or maybe experienced somebody else that is there, has, was there ever any sort of like guilt around associating the two? And I know you said like, you wouldn't have done that like in the beginning. Right. Mm-hmm. But and it sounds like you have a beautiful process, you know, and I've, mm-hmm. and I've experienced things similar to that where it's like, there's, and I know going through that, like there would never have been a point where I would feel guilty just be, the way I was led into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in your journey, combining these two elements, like, w- yeah, was there any sort of guilt in there about that? Um, you mean for me or other people? I mean, for you in, in, in your personal journey yeah. like in, in finding this in the, in this way yeah no there hasn't been any guilt because Mm -hmm. it's been such an organic involvement Mm -hmm. um like again it all came from within me like no one ever told me to lean into pleasure or Mm -hmm. like even to to put these two together um and you know I've been in spaces this past this past year where there there has been this really explicit connection drawn between um womb sovereignty and um you know relationship with the pussy and all of that and well-being and grief and you know so many things that we all carry so it's not new to me I guess I think that's all that sort of community um that my time spent in these spaces has been sort of the groundwork for that. Um, And then I got to tell you, when I took out my own IED, it's like my sacral chakra just fucking opened up. Mm. (laughs) It's like I had been on on some form of birth control since I was 16, you know, which at this point it's like over 15 years. Um, And to feel that power, not just of having it out, but doing it myself with no issue and no pain or anything. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, just, I I feel like there was just a massive shift that happened internally and in my business, you know, as Mm -hmm. a result of that. And that was probably, I don't know, three months ago. And, Mm -hmm. and so this feels like kind of a natural involvement of that. Um, Mm -hmm. and again, you know, like I always say this, this work is spirit led, right? Like when I was, when I was like, when it came to me, like the day it came to me that, that, that this is like what I need to do now that the pussy alchemy grief thing is, is it, I was like, really, mm-hmm. <laughs> really spirit. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's just, what's true for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the beautiful thing is like, there's so many different people leading so many different types of grief experiences. And yeah, I get to work with the people that are ready to to step into this particular um, place in their journey. And, and 
I trust that if you are attracted to this, then you're meant to to be in here because it's not for everybody. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. And yeah, I love that you trusted spirit. Cause I think it's so easy for our minds to like get in the way and overthink it and be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, are you crazy or anything? But yeah. And totally. you <laughs> power to you for taking out your ID by yourself. Like that. <laughs> that is crazy. I, I got mine taken out in February and same thing. I had been on birth control since I was 16 years old. So for me, that was almost 20 years with the exception of the times that I got pregnant. Um, but then I went and I got the IUD back in and, and whatever, but just the, like the shifts I felt in yes. my own body, oh. in my ability to regulate my emotions, to feel oh. my emotions, to have this, it's like, I've been on this like spiritual journey for like five years. And it was like, I took my IUD out and I just like, I was so launched into it in a way that I hadn't before. And it's just crazy. Just from synthetic hormones, you know, that I was so detached from spirit in my spiritual journey. It's just is so wild. Yes. It's so crazy. Yeah. And when I say spirit, I really mean like, I asked my pussy. (laughs) (laughs) As you like, should have, right? right? Like experience. Like there was there was there was both there in the moment. Yeah. Um mm. and yeah, I mean it's like again, not for everybody, but I I just I but I I'm at the point in my journey now where if my body says says yes, I don't mm-hmm. just trust that. I don't question it anymore. Yeah. I love um, that. Yeah. yeah. And I know we talked really briefly before about human design and you said you were a sacral, which also makes so much sense, right? While you're right. your sacral just like went off when you took out your ID. Cause it's just like, wow, thank you for giving me my power back in so many different ways. Thank you for and giving me space. I yeah. know. And now you yeah. can like re- truly tap in and hear those yes and no responses and like what's aligned and what's not. So yeah, <sighs> sounds <laughs> that's. That's so cool on so many levels. Um, so how how do you, for anybody listening that is maybe experiencing grief uh, mm-hmm. currently, or and I think you're always experiencing it on some level. I don't think it's ever like completely gone. Yeah. What would your, what would you recommend to them or suggest to them? It's just like a tool, you know, from obviously what we've talked about, and they're you know. I'll have you give them your information and everything will be in the show notes. But if there's just like one tip or tool or something they can like take with them right now to get back in touch with themselves, to like fully feel their grief and to kind of like move through it, what would it be? Mm -hmm. The number one thing I always say is ritualize your grief. Um, And this is the advice that was given to me by a professor. And this is the advice that I sort of have built my whole work around, which is that, Grief is sacred and it needs its own time and space to fully move through it. And that might be in a yoga class that might be, you know, in a church service, it might be at all these different things, but I also think it needs its own time. Um, And so I just invite everyone that I work with and everyone in the world to, to create what I call a grief sanctuary. Um, and this is a place where you can go hopefully every day, if not, you know, multiple times a week around the same time every day. You can make, you can think of it as an altar or, or maybe just be a closet or even a bathtub. Um, you know, everyone's different, but dedicated to your grief. There may be pictures, there might be objects, 
whatever helps helps you feel like it's a sacred space. And then I just invite you to spend time with that grief, with your grief. If it feels really overwhelming and you're like, how the hell do I do this? Put a journal there, put some books if you want to. Set a timer, set a calendar invite, like, you know, set your grief time. Um, and it could just be as little as 15 minutes a day. But the idea is that the more you do it, the more that one, your nervous system starts to grow its capacity to be with your grief and be with all of the sensations and all the pain and all of the, the ins and outs and the flow of it. But two, your grief learns that there is a place for me to be what I am without any outside influence, without any editing, um, without any expectation. And in that time, that might look like you just lay on the ground. It might look like you cry. It might look like you dance. It might look like a yoga class. It might look like um, kicking the wall. It might look like punching the pillow. Like whatever your body needs to do in that time, I just invite you to, as much as you can, tune into what your grief needs. And if your grief needs to run, go outside and run, right? If your grief needs to curl up, do that, right? There is no expectation of how your grief should be in this time. Mm -hmm. And over time, that will extend itself to the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, your energy. I mean, what you do is absolutely beautiful. And yeah, just thank you so much for sharing it all with me and the listeners and for being here tonight uh, with me. And if you want to let everyone know where they can find you, and I know you said you have um, a retreat coming. So all of that information, I'll of course have it in the show notes as well. Um, but yeah, if you just want to let them know. Yeah. Thank you so much, Michelle. Um, yeah, so my website is gracebellaharman.com. You could follow me on Instagram at moveyourgrief. And I have a beautiful Pussy Grief Alchemy Retreat coming up on August 13th. I'm so excited about it. Um, and it will be very much the process that I described in, in this interview. Um, and there'll be one at 12, from 12 to 2 p.m. Central and one from 4 to 6 p.m. Central. So it's two different times in the day to accommodate um, as many time zones as I can. So yeah, that's coming up and I'm opening a longer four-month container called Pussy Alchemy for Grief Transformation and that will start in September with the full moon. So all coming up you can check it all out on my website yeah amazing well thank you so much thank you rochelle so good to talk to you you too